0: This week on the Koshcast. Mourinho's last roll of the dice, Solchar, Emery and others are on ice, Liverpool's Christmas fixtures are not very nice, and when it comes to recruitment, Pochettino desperately needs some advice. All this, Champions League chat and a hatful of laughs along the way. Welcome home. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Rache is here.
1: Hello. Hello. Sorry. I had to take myself off mute there. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Bernie's here.
2: I am here and I was starting to wonder if (laughs) if Rache was not here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Off to a flyer. How are we all? Bernie, you just got back from Miami.
2: I did. Um, I can't remember the lyrics of the song. I was going to sing it, but whatever. Uh, Yeah, back from, well, technically Fort Lauderdale, which is, I guess, Mississauga
0: of of Miami. Miami plays with a sunset low every day like a Mardi Gras. Everybody party all day, no work, all play, okay? Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
1: Rache, how are you? I'm good. I'm kind of shocked that Bernie compared Fort Lauderdale to Mississauga. I, I don't think Mississauga can ever be compared to someplace like Fort Lauderdale.
0: No, Mississauga's way better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <black> twist. <laughs> I don't even like Mississauga, man. I'm saying it's the Mississauga of South Florida, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is offended by either of those statements, let us know. If you're on the fence, don't worry. Yeah. Um, right. Well, when, when you went away and uh, all sorts of stuff happened, in, in football, it, it kind of went a bit bonkers. Are um, you blaming me for this? Yeah, I think you, taking a quick trip to Florida, wrecked the equilibrium of the footballing world. Thanks, mate. I feel responsible now. No problem. Um, but where, where else can we start than what happened uh, at Spurs with Jose, with Poch? As, as I, I asked someone this the other day. As a United fan, or both of you, how do you feel about your former manager rocking up at Tottenham? Roche?
1: I'm happy for him that he's got a job. Maybe we won't have to see him with his wise old punditry on TV anymore. On the other hand, I am kind of annoyed because I think two games from now, it's a United versus Spurs game straight away. So I can't wait for Mourinho to start talking shit and playing mind games.
0: Oh yeah, I mean that—that's definitely going to happen. With, with TV though, like you can just turn that off; it's fine. I'm sorry, are <laughs> you talking to me? Yeah, yeah. Well, you said like you don't have to watch him on, you know, as a pundit, but no, no one's forcing anyone to watch that. Oh yeah, but
1: you know, it just, it's just—it's part of football media. I mean, you're looking at a manager who's like considered one of the top managers in the game, who's been to done that all and. You know, I think last week on the pod I said that this is a good move from Spurs um, from an ambition standpoint because they're looking to break into that upper echelon of club, and I think Mourinho is the right manager for them in that sense. Um, but you know, I I, I don't think Mourinho in his prime right now, so he's kind of like uh, you know a fading sunset going into Tottenham Hotspur. So I really I really don't know what to expect. He's calling himself the what was it, what was it the mature one now, if I'm not uh, mistaken.
0: I don't think he's labelled himself this time. I think he's learned not to do that anymore. So someone's labelled him something along the lines of mature or wise one
1: or something. And I I just, I can't wait for that, you know, the mind games to start. Oh
0: my God. Can you imagine that, Alex, as an Arsenal fan? How do you feel about this? Uh, (laughs) To some extent, I'm just glad he's not the Arsenal manager because that was very heavily rumoured before he took over at Tottenham. And... That would have been unthinkable given the amount of shit he has directed at Arsenal Football Club and Arsene Wenger over the years. Um, although, you know, our board is ridiculous and I don't think that would have stopped them from appointing him. Um, nor do I think it would have stopped him from taking the job, frankly, because he's a mercenary. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad it, it wasn't Arsenal. Uh, Bernie, how, your initial reaction to this? Um, I think the game needs Jose because I think everyone needs the evil
2: genius or what former evil genius in the game compared to the the goody two shoes of well let me say who the media darlings who they consider the goody two shoes of Klopp and and pep i think we need some evil um but that being said um i really hate the hypocrisy of the whole thing talking literally crying on camera how he misses the game and wanting to be in a club that has the right structure and he's gone to a club that has pretty much the exact same structure has made terrible transfer decisions in a not signing players and b letting go of the director of football and signing woeful players and which is in essence why pochettino did leave and i don't mean in dombele and los but you know the rest of them or the other 27 signings but it's it's not a good structure however i think it's the structure that jose actually wants he wants the control Darren Levy he doesn't want a director of football. He wants a manager that can take control of that situation and work under him. And maybe, maybe it's a good fit in that particular sense. Um, but, you know, it doesn't bother me as a former United man. It bothers me more because there are these idiot United fans who are now basically supporting Jose and, and pseudo Spurs fans, which is just stupid. But other than that, we're fine.
0: Fair enough. I mean, the, the other United fan I asked said he was glad to see Mourinho back, uh, but glad that he would be messing up someone else's club. <laughs> Who is this? Who is this? Who's this United fan? I, no one, you know, it doesn't matter. But it—it it was just—I thought that was quite a funny and probably quite, quite common take, um, when uh, when Mourinho comes back into the league. I, you know, <laughs> watching his performance uh, in his second stint at Chelsea, you know, in the second season, obviously first season, uh, came back, rebuilt the squad, second season won the league, third season it all went to absolute pot, and then at United it was. I'm gonna say it was horrendous from the start. There was a brief honeymoon period. The season in which he finished second was all right. Um you know, as the years have gone on, that performance looks better than it did at the time, right? Like getting that, that United squad to second. Um But there was his period at Man United was generally overwhelming. His I was looking at his his win percentages today. And at Porto, it was like, you know, 75%, Chelsea, 70%. Real Madrid, back up to 75 close to 80 or even maybe. Um, and then second stint at Chelsea and stint at United, he was down in the, the like high 50s, which for a normal manager is pretty good, to be honest. But for Jose Mourinho, is a massive drop-off. So the question is, was that, you know, is that a permanent thing? Is Rocher right? Is he on his way out? As we definitely all thought, you know. Um, or does he have something left in the tank? Can I just he- say,
2: Alex, I think yeah. that the problem that United fans had with Jose Mourinho, I think a lot of United fans will tell you style of play, but I think a lot of them are lying. I think the the real problem with Jose Mourinho's stint at Match United wasn't really about the win-loss record. Like, I think a lot of people would have accepted the final, I don't know, like, was it three months of the season? Or whatever that was, like the first half of the season, they would have accepted it if they felt that, there was a there was a plan involved mm-hmm. here but there was never a long-term plan everyone knew that and he was not just insulting the fans but he was fighting with everybody like and i think the toxi- toxicity of it is what turned people off more so than you know the whatever was going on on the pitch and at chelsea with the eva carnero stuff yep. i have a feeling he was going through something for a period of time and I, that's what annoyed people more than anything else fundamentally
0: yeah. yeah, you know, I'd
1: have to agree with Bernie. Sorry, Alex, I just quickly want to chime in over there, but, um, like, it's funny Bernie mentioned the Eva Carnero situation because if you go back to, that was the first game of the season. Chelsea had a 2 2 draw, and, and I, I believe it was. And that Eva Carnero situation led to them having a poor start to the season, losing all their form, and then eventually to the sacking. Um, so yeah, I do think that you know while he might have been going through something, but yeah, you, know, you know that's that's one side of it. But generally, Mourinho's whole thing is it's us versus them, and us is you know you know you saw it in the first Chelsea stint, the Real Madrid stint. The toxicity is is just part of his game. So I mean, as much as he was going through something, it's like okay, well he did something stupid, it backfired, and and then like it, it kind of all the house came crumbling down. So well, I, I think the nothing's thing... gonna change at Tottenham.
2: I think the thing is, Rache, is that it's the talk to, when, you know, a when doing during his poking Tito in the eye and all that stuff, I think most people <laughs> yeah, are okay. Most people are okay with it. If it's galvanizing your own team, but he was fighting with his own team. And I think that's where a lot of it came through. And I do genuinely feel that, you know, a year out of the game has like, given him time to evaluate his own behavior because like I said, the fans would have accepted. They were cheering this guy on, actually, in the stands for a very, very long time when it was going bad. They will, United fans will accept that type of thing on the pitch. What they just were not willing to accept was him fighting with every single person. At, like, even the kit man, I'm sure he was fighting with. And I, I think now he'll do a very good job at Tottenham because I think even he has had time to assess himself and realize, you know what, that was, that was on me.
0: Well, I mean, okay, he, so you he, think he's now the mature one? He, he claims to have done this analysis, right? He claims that in this 11 months, um, he's thought he's reflected both from a personal level and a, you know, football, you know, tactical, stylistic level. Um, what, is, what is true is that he basically hired a PR team uh, to regalvanize his image. And he also, according to Darren Fletcher, talked to people at United who were there when he was there and asked for some honest feedback about his behavior and his management. Uh, <laughs> so those things have happened so clearly there's a level of self-awareness about his reputation over the last few years and that's clearly something he wants to change the the thing is you know he shows up at a club he's all happy and jokey and it goes well for a while and it feels like he's kind of working against himself for that period um and then something clicks and we've seen it at every job that he's taken something clicks he decides he's done with it and then he goes on a self-sabotage rampage for you know the next however many months until the club can't put up with it anymore. If he wants this to be a long-term job and he wants this to be the you know the rescuing the salvation of his reputation as an elite manager then he has to behave himself for, for three, four, five years. Otherwise, you know, that's the test. That's the test. Can he, you know, save himself from himself, basically.
2: But he also needs to get A director of football in at Tottenham Hotspur and if these rumors of Campos coming in are true and if he really is chasing him then that is the first piece of proof that he is changing because remember at Real Madrid he got Valdano fired at Chelsea when he came back he fought every day with Michael Emanalo and at United he just did not want a director of football these are known so if he's honest about this wanting a new structure then he's got to bring in someone like Campos and then I think there's the beginnings of something that could actually work and a transfer strategy that can make sense. Because otherwise, he's going to be fighting with Daniel Levy at the last day of the transfer when they're trying to get people in. And I'm not sure that Jose is built for that particular fight. So I do hope the director of football thing, for his own sake, is true.
0: That's for sure. And the thing with Campos is, allegedly, they're they're big mates. So they they know each other very well. Um as we know, Jose nicked a couple of the Lille coaching staff immediately as soon as he signed his contract with Spurs. Uh, Leal obviously not very happy with that. And and the Lille president, I forget his name, has said, you're not having campos. We'll see. Um, but you're right. Jose does need someone like that. And Tottenham needs someone like that because their recruitment, they have scouting staff, clearly, but their recruitment, as you said, uh, in the Pochettino years, was pretty bad after the initial like old uh, delhi um after the first few signings which were really more the club slash paul mitchell than they were pochettino but the signings that he decided to make in the latter few years were pretty awful we're talking like orier uh lucas mora you could you know um you could he maybe was be on the- he, he was him, free probably. so i don't even care about that one no 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 mora was like 20 million or something 25 Wasn't um, f- what really yeah 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 they bought oh okay okay um you know, the, the, his record was not was not brilliant recruitment-wise. Um, and Jose's recruitment record at Man United, I mean, talk us through who he bought there, because it was bad. Like, he bought Mkhitaryan, right? Lindelof, who he decided after a year he didn't like. Bai after a year or two, he didn't like him. Uh, who else? Uh, he bought Pogba. He bought Fred. He
2: bought Di- Diogo dalo. Uh, Lukaku. He bought Lukaku. Um, yeah, he bought. He bought. He didn't buy anyone who was stuck. <laughs> I put it that way.
0: So it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Right. So, but you know, between Tottenham's own recruitment past, recent, recent past, and Mourinho's own recent past, I think you're you're bang on in that there needs to be someone in between him and Daniel Levy who's making the calls about who they need to get in. But I will say, I mean. You know, we don't need to go details of the game, but new manager bounce was was in effect at least for the first hour in Spurs against West Ham. They looked they looked way better than they have in in almost a year. I mean, we're talking West Ham here,
1: and just earlier today, you and I were having an exchange about how crap West Ham are. But you know, in typical Mourinho form, well Mourinho off late, like I mean, they were winning three nil, and uh, West Ham made a comeback towards the end of the game, and I believe there was a goal that was disallowed, if I'm not mistaken yeah that would have made it 3-2 yeah so I think um, you know promising start for Mourinho but uh, work to be done for sure there are some frailties over there
2: I think I think he got the new manager bounce um, which I guess we all expected and if I mean in this particular vein of form if there's a team that you want to get that start with you know it's West Ham or the team that I would pick right now uh, they're a complete and Utter shambles from top to bottom. I think the beginning of the season, a lot of people thought, oh, they're going to join that kind of Wolves, Leicester, you know, that kind of make good transfer decisions because they bought Fournals and Holler and they're going to do really well. And then it's just nonsense. Pellegrini is just, I, I, to, be, to be very honest, I don't think he cares. It, I, it's not an indictment on him as a, like, his major ability. I think he, he came from China, right, getting a check and he's getting another good check. And he's old. So what do you want him to care about? Like, I just don't understand. (laughs) Like, I can't even (laughs) criticize the man because I don't think he gives enough of a shit. No,
0: and also, like, West Ham is not an easy club to like unless you support them. There's really nothing there. I mean, we we tweeted this out earlier. Um, You know, even though their wage structure is weird, like, Jack Welsh is on 100 grand a week, which is double the wages of their captain Mark Noble Wilsh is getting paid more than Felipe Anderson who's arguably their star player. Meanwhile, Andrei Yarmolenko, they gave him a 5-year 115,000 pound a week contract and Zabaleta who's 34 is on 75 grand. Like the whole club's just a shambles. I it's really difficult to like them and so I understand <laughs> your point like why would Pellegrini give a shit?
2: Yeah, and it, it just I mean it makes it so easy like granted Dele Alli stepped up and had probably his best game of the season. I mean, he's on the ground and he played this back heel flick while on the ground, keeping the ball in play to bring it into Son's pass who played it into Lucas Moura for a great goal. Uh, They played really, really well. It probably should have been 5-0 as opposed to 3-2. It it made the score a little bit more flattering. Um, So good on them. Um, Good on Jose, uh, I I have to say. I, I think bring in Dyer is something that we're going to have to see (laughs) long-term. Like, is this, is this, is this really going to be it? Because I I honestly feel like Jose wanted Tottenham players. I just wanted to turn my night into Tottenham. He wanted Danny Rose. He wanted Dyer. He wanted, obviously he wanted Harry Kane, but I'm sure he never made a bid because that was never going to happen. And Alderweireld, I know he wanted. So he wanted to make United Tottenham. So maybe that's why he took the job. But Dyer, like, like, I'm not sure against better teams or more mobile that's going to work, but let's see. Let's see.
0: I agreed. Especially when Balé is waiting, is waiting in the wings. Like, I don't know how long you can persist with Eric Dier when he has the turning circle of a boat. Anyway, Roche, anything more on, on the Spurs slash Mourinho and Pochettino situation?
1: No, not really. I mean, I think it's too early to have a full uh, dossier ready. And uh you know, I think like, you know, as as we said earlier, there's a couple of big games coming up in a few weeks, so big tests uh up ahead and um we need more data. Fair sure enough. Can, can can I just say before we move on to the next game that um
2: Mauricio Pochettino is a manager that I've liked for a very, very long time. Uh I do wanna give the guy credit. I will preface it with yes, he needed to win trophies. I, I don't I don't understand people you know, not saying that. I think he deserves a lot of credit and he's a brilliant manager. And I told you last year, I would have had him in the heartbeat over Jose and I still would. Um, but they didn't win trophies. And I think for Tottenham Hotspur, building a new billion dollar stadium, the marketing, they're doing this Amazon thing. They need to be a club that, has seen, that is seen holding up trophies. That's, that's what they need to take themselves to the next level, as Roche was talking about. It doesn't matter what the trophy is win a trophy, get it on the Amazon thing, spread that around China, get more fans. That's what they need to do to to get to the upper echelon. So he was never going to be able to do that under these circumstances, but I'm excited to see where he goes next because he can have to pick up what he wants, I think.
0: Fair enough. Well, one place that he has been linked with for a couple of years is Old Trafford, obviously. Uh, Manchester United just about got a 3-3 draw with... uh, United, Sheffield United, who are the league's best United at the moment, I believe. And, uh, you know, obviously at 2-0 down, people were singing Sacked in the Morning to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Even I was singing it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say over the last week, if you're Edward Wood, get on the phone, sound out Pochettino right now and get him in as soon as possible. And I have to be honest, I agree with that. How do you guys feel both about the result and performance against Sheffield United and the manager situation? Roche?
1: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start with first the, the game itself. Uh, coming into this game, United had a very encouraging performance against Brighton and Hove Albion in the last game, um, the, which was a big 3-1 win. And the only bad point about that game was that at the very last kick of the game, Scott McTominay added himself to the injury list. Um, And so we didn't see him in this game, obviously, but United, uh, you know, started this game and look, going into this game, I already, knew. I was telling Bernie earlier in the weekend, you know, wait till our result before you make an assessment on, uh, you know, Manchester United's current uh, phase. So the game starts and for the first few minutes, I thought it was fairly even until the tackle started flying in and Sheffield United started playing faster and and just kind of wanted it more. And you can see, I think Rashford took a knock early on and he wasn't you know, really extending himself or, or pushing the extra five percent to get the balls. And so a lot of uh, loose possessions gave Sheffield United a lot of momentum to build into the game and they got a goal they deserved. Um a, a bit unlucky to kind of come off the guy's shin in the end. But you know what, one 0 they they the hair already made a, a mesmerizing double save a few minutes earlier. Um so yeah Sheffield United one 0 at that point you're thinking, okay, it's gonna be a long afternoon for um Man United. And the uh, second half starts, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe they're going to come out. They're going to fire a little bit. And then immediately down 2-0 straight away. And I thought that was a fair, I mean, it was a good finish. It was well-placed. But I thought that, hey, I could have done a little better there. 2-0 down, you're thinking, okay, this is, this is complete bullshit. I, I can't just sit here and watch the game. I need to multitask. I need to do a few things. I'm angry. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I mean, you can tell that United were you know, trying a little more in the second half to at least you know get a couple of shots on target, even if they weren't that good, just get a few shots. And seven minutes in the second half, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, the second best defense in the league, Sheffield United's defense, concede three goals in seven minutes, and they weren't three bad goals. These are three of the like some of the best goals I've seen from United this season, and it was a it was completely. I mean, I wouldn't say it was out of nowhere because. The previous game they played well. Uh they showed some signs in this game that, you know, they are a dynamic outset. Um, but after going 2 nil down to see those three goals go in, I think it was uh, you know, it was like, oh, a, f- a fresh life over here. But obviously they undid themselves with the last minute goal. So a mixed bag of results overall. Um mixed bag of feelings. What do you think, Bernie? Um
2: it was an absolutely disgusting performance um <clears throat> for seventy minutes, and I think I've said that a bunch of times this season. Um, preface that with and to be honest the theme of the season is every time there's been a disgusting performance there have been multiple people injured and p- whether that be Anthony Martial in this case the whole midfield was gone um obviously Pogba is gone I hate Mathis but whatever he would have played this game uh Andreas Pereira and Fred as a midfield too makes no sense where I got angry was uh Solskjaer not having the courage to play James Garner I get it he's 18 but you need the balance in this type of game. 3-4-3 three, three against a 3-5-2 loses every time. Um, Lingard came on in the second half, made a very big difference, despite the fact that he doesn't get any stats. <laughs> He's just useless at that. But he made a big difference and created four good chances, and then they started to, to, to do things. The, the way this game ended, United had one shot on target in the first half, and if I'm not mistaken, by the end of the game, they had more ch- shots on goal than, than Sheffield United. So second half, it, I mean, it does seem as if it was only the last 20 minutes. It wasn't really that. They were working their way and working their way slowly into the game. Um, but it it was not good um, for a good portion of the game. So <clears throat> that's – and by the way, United had 11 shots on target. Uh, Sheffield United had 12. By the end of it, United had 60% possession to 40%. Um, I, I have issues with how Solskjaer set up this team, absolutely. But I am extremely happy with the fact that what i said to you guys last week the academy scored all the goals united this season only i think every single goal except for one has been scored by a player no every single player has been scored by a player 23 years and under this team has the youngest average starting 11 age in the premier league they're going down this path it is absolutely true absolutely 100 percent true of any team the starting 11s that they've played neither have the youngest average age they're going down this path um for better or for worse they're going down this path and i said that's the only thing that gives me joy because the rest of it is shit (laughs) that i'm seeing academy players produce mason greenwood producing um you know brandon williams taking over from ashley young is brilliant but on the poch thing they are already sounding pochettino out like this notion of get on the phone ed he's been on the phone
0: yeah of course but but in the past pochettino has either said no or he said you'd have to talk to Levy and at which point Edward would either you know gives up either way right
2: yeah but like it's to the point that United actually there's this very there's this credible report that United execs actually talked to him on the M whatever I don't know your real dogs is it M27 or whatever There's like, pretty
0: much everything there's an the, M25 is probably the most famous one but.
2: yeah they pulled him off to the side and they had a this conversation and he and he uh, apparently his, what he said was you have to talk to Daniel Levy right now I'm sure, I'm 100% sure, because Edward is a bit of a snake, okay? He sacked Van Gaal when he won the FA Cup, the day of. So I'm 100% sure that he's been on the phone and talked to Pochettino just to sound him out to see, what do you want to do? But again, I'll go back to the same thing. If you don't get a director of football, do not make a change. It doesn't make sense. Pochettino will not want a director of football in the first place. We all know that. Get a director of football and then make any decision you want to make. This team suffer along the lines if you don't.
0: But here's the thing. Uh, I mean, I agree. You you desperately need a director of football, Manchester United. But you've been saying the same thing for like the last three years and they've got no closer to appointing one, even though they could do it any day ever in about five minutes. They could get it done. Like, I I don't understand what they're doing with their lives. But that points to them not wanting one doesn't it i mean they could literally have done this any time and they haven't it wouldn't even be that expensive see the so, problem is they say that they they like they keep saying
2: and edward said this two weeks ago that they are looking at a pointing ahead of football yeah, yeah of yeah. course he's lying of course he's lying okay like, like they keep saying this but then and i know what you're going to say if you're not going to do them get the best manager you can and i agree with you on that but what i'm trying to do and i'm trying to harp on with people is this will, and I promise you this, Pochettino will get you better results than Solskjaer. I give you that. Yep. But finishing fifth is where we're going to finish with Pochettino, even if, and that's not, to me, that's not, that's not interesting. That's not important. I, what I want to see is this club be ambitious enough to get a director of football and do something that will not get another ma- manager fired. Because if Pochettino keeps finishing fifth, which he will do with United, I guarantee you with Jose at Spurs, Leicester making progress, Chelsea having good structure, City and Liverpool, he won't finish higher than fifth. They will sack him eventually. So what's the point? It blows my mind that this club does not want to do the right thing. The right thing, the first right thing, is not to get rid of Solskjaer. You could could say it's the right thing, sure. But that's the second most important thing you need to do. Get a director
0: of football today. Here's a question for you. Let's take the director of football out of, out of the equation because you're never getting one. Um, <laughs> based on the transfer record you've seen, who would, uh, and you know, United are going to spend, what, 150, 200 million a summer. Who would you trust more to spend that money, Solskjaer or Pochettino? I'll let Rache answer first and I'll tell you my answer.
1: Well, that's that's a loaded question, to be honest, because you're actually asking me, you know, if Solskjaer, Potsdam, you should spend you're asking me if we should sack
0: all it. No, Is I'm true. asking, no, I'm literally asking you who would you trust more to spend the money based on who they've signed in the past. Well, it's a bit of a short, um, well, a small sample size. I agree, but it's what we have to, yeah. Watch.
1: Um, okay, I'll do my best to answer because, I mean, on one hand, you have Solskjaer who really believes in the club's youth academy. And I'm pretty sure we're going to start seeing 16-year-olds take the starting 11 and the average age of the squad is going to drop (laughs) down to 16 or 17. And, you know, on the other hand, I mean, if you want to splash the cash on big players, no matter who the manager is, you're going to end up having to spend, like, ridiculous amounts of money, A, just because you're Manchester United and the agents think they can squeeze you for an extra 30% market premium. Um, So, I mean, who would I trust to spend that money? No one really, because I I I really don't think that you know just being Manchester United you're at a disadvantage if you want to go and buy players who are stars. So uh, I, I
0: mean, sorry, but I, I'm not saying you're going to get value for money. Like obviously, as a Premier League team and as Manchester United, you're going to have to pay more for anyone. But I'm just asking. You know, I would
2: I on. would say that, and again, it's a very small sample size, Alex. So it's a bit of an unfair question. And but I would. If, if based on the small sample size, I have to trust Socha on this one more than Pochettino, only because... Controversial. No, you, no, I think that I'll, makes sense. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you exactly why. Because Maguire, sure, I, th- I think that as a wash. I think yep. that was on the radar for, for a bit. Juan Basaka, to me, again, another bit of a wash, I guess. Uh, I think everyone knew he was the best defensive right back in the league, and if you want to get one who's available, then that makes sense. It's Daniel James that is a differentiator for me. This Daniel James by the end of the season could easily be the signing of the season in the, in the league. Yeah, Like he really, really could be the way he's playing he has three assists already coming from the championship. He's the number of chances that have been squandered by the strikers that he's put on a plate is unbelievable. But signing Daniel James was brave. J- Daniel James requires scouting. It requires Solskjaer working his connections with uh, gigs and whoever else was there and going to watch this, this guy to a level that, Unfortunately for Pochettino, he's not been able to do without Paul Mitchell. So, in that particular sense, I would do it. Which is why there's this weird theory that's going around from United fans saying, "Why don't you make social director football and make Pochettino the manager?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which maybe gonna, I could I'm get gonna, behind. I don't know. <laughs> I have to 100% agree with Bernie on this because I think Daniel James is an absolute pearl. He's 22 years old, relatively unheard of until he showed up at United. And, you know, the way the transfer headlines were going this summer, Daniel James was, like, the biggest star in the world. So, and if you look at him on Fantasy Premier League, and I know I'm bringing this up again, but <laughs> he's only valued at about, like, you know, a 6.2 or a 6.3. And you're getting, basically, Manchester United's, like, most creative midfielder for a value of 6.2 and on a game where him and Rashford are assisting each other basically you know James should have had two assists in this game against Sheffield United if it wasn't for that uh, the, the, you know the ball flicking off the defender's head but you know he's going to get you a lot of points he's going to be a creative midfielder for United so I 100% agree with Bernie
0: on this one Alright Olegona Solskjaer via Daniel James getting the vote on that With <laughs> that. a
2: very small sample size Alex Yeah <laughs> Yeah
0: no, no, I think that's I think that's reasonable. Um, okay, so that's United. Uh, anything more on them before we move on?
1: Yeah, I just want to quickly add that um, you know upcoming fixtures for United. Aston Villa is the next game; it's at home, and then the two games after that are Tottenham at home and City away. So, get ready for some volatile headlines about all his future. <laughs>
2: um, we we have. I'm going to do a Guardian style. Two more minutes left in part one. But I will say this. Ole will not be manager start of next season. It will be Pochettino or Allegri. That I do believe. And that I can get behind. It. But anyway. You think, uh, you, you think you're getting Allegri? Uh, mate, Allegri wants this job. <laughs> <laughs> like it or not, that's, that's the story from Italy. He wants the job. There are, no, uh, there are no reports that he wants the Arsenal job, though. So suck on that,
0: bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Seems a bit harsh. Um, there, are wow. reports that, there are reports that Arsenal have reached out to him about. Yeah, about, reach out, reach out. About F- the F- job F- that F- definitely F- isn't F- vacant F- right now <laughs> because they have full backing <laughs> of Unai Good Evening Emery. Part two is where I get angry because we have to talk about Arsenal, apparently. Well, I didn't plan on doing it, but you've told me that we have to do it. So. You thought, wait, 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 wait. Alex, we've been talking about
2: Arsenal and United both in shambles for six years, every <laughs> single episode and you thought we're just gonna let this one slide.
0: I thought once in a while you might be nice and give me a week off from talking about the club that I support that it doesn't know how to run itself. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> good evening to you too. Although on that note I will say that did you guys see the, the interview after the game with Sky reporter said good evening to Unai Emery? Yes. No. That was rude. I it's mean the getting guy, a bit silly, yeah. The guy literally said to him, Good evening, Unai, although it wasn't a good evening, was it? Like, come on. Come on. And they I Unai went, Good evening.
2: <laughs> I mean, he, he was a good sport about it, I can't lie.
0: Well, he I probably mean, doesn't have the, enough words in English to be a bad sport about it. It depends on how you see this. I mean,
1: you know, on one hand you have you know, if you compare Manag's performance of well, Man United to be politically correct, but you know coming back to two nil to three two, three three, okay, it's a draw you know how do they feel about that versus Arsenal coming back, you know, 2-1, 2-2 last minute, 90 plus 6. Salvaging a point from this game. Arsenal fans are miserable before the kickoff, during the game, even after that kind of equalizer and like, you know, the misery is just constant.
0: No, I'll, like, I'll tell you to describe it. I'll tell you this, Trisha. Um we were more miserable after the 96 minute equalizer than we were before it. <laughs> and I know I know that's a blanket statement, and I know there, are some, there will be some fans who are like, "Ah, how can you ever want your team to lose? That doesn't, you're not a real fan. If however, which I agree. <laughs> however, when you know that your manager is useless, when you know that you're on completely the wrong path, when you see your team regressing week by week, when you see that the players don't like the manager or trust anything that he asks them to do, you just want it to end. You just want it to be put out of its fucking misery. Okay, can I, and when uh, we were losing to Southampton, we thought, yes, this result will get <laughs> us one step closer to achieving that change. And even the players looked annoyed that they'd equalized. Honestly, honestly we all thought this today was, uh,
2: well, Saturday was going to be the day. Uh, and, and you said something very, very critical. Um, and, and just to draw a little bit of a comparison, the reason why I think Arsenal fans really want Unai gone, results are one thing, right? Yeah. But it took it – took, obviously, Wenger has a lot of clout for winning stuff or whatever. But people, <laughs> liked, people liked Arsene. It, yeah. was, it was almost this sadness that people had resigned themselves to the fact that he had to go. You know what I mean? People were upset, and for good cause. He had done great things. But Unai Emery, and a little bit in contrast to Solskjaer, is he's offended everybody. Like – the whole, the playing squad does not like this man. Like, there is, if, I, if you're Raul Sanlehi, right, and you're making this decision, at, at least on the other end, you can say, well, De Gea said he'll fight for this guy. Rashford thinks this guy is amazing, and the all playing squads actually think that, even though they may be delusional for whatever you might think. But Xhaka doesn't like this guy anymore. He threw him under the bus also isn't like this guy because well, wallahi he's not even a coach Lacazette <laughs> <Zachary laughs> absolutely the man and Obama Young is, is buddies with troops and liking posts are anti you know against the, the dude yeah. uh, Lucas Torreira shedding tears this <clears throat> whole squad is against this man the yeah. fans are against this man at uh, this for you guys more than anything it's it's become Jose toxic at United and that's when I draw the line and I say you have to
0: yeah, that I mean that's exactly it. Look, what you want as a club and and Mohamed said this last week, it's not about trophies. It's as you said, it's not even necessarily about results although you need to win enough to, you know, keep people happy, but it's about having a unified vision, seeing progress, having something you can relate to, having something you can you can hang your hat on, having a manager that you can connect with. You know, that look, that's why that's why a lot of Tottenham fans didn't weren't too concerned about not winning trophies because they had a manager they could connect with they, they they saw football that they liked and and you know they had a good time on the journey and really that's all fans want, right apart from a few fans who are way too entitled Los Blancos et etc mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> sorry rahul um, but you know that fans don't actually ask for that much when it comes down to it, and the club. Is keeping this man in place allegedly because they don't want to pay the fifteen million pound payout that he would be uh, entitled to if they sacked him now? Although that seems a lot to me, because he had a two-year contract with an extension for a third, and he's nearly done his two years. So I'm not sure why he would have that much left. Um, but you know, he has to go. We all know he's going to leave. So why why are we delaying it at this point? The fact it's going, going to happen. It is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's yeah. going
1: to happen soon and I think it's going to happen before Christmas. You and saying- you know what? I think Pacchettino might be in the running for this. No,
2: no. no. chance. <laughs> there's
1: literally there's literally 0%. No oh,
2: chance can whatsoever. Can you imagine that? He wouldn't can even do that, that to himself. He wouldn't do that to himself. The Pacchettino <laughs> is good enough to command like jobs that A pay you more united jobs that are more prestigious real madrid Bayern munich and watch out for juventus because any step up from sorry and he's out like at that point he can pick his <laughs> pick his job and we all know that Tuco's is going to get fired at some point like so <laughs> pochettino has it all for himself for a man who didn't win any trophies by the mm-hmm. way which is which is hilarious but where <laughs> Rahul san to me this is where I draw the line. And I think Arsenal thought that they were going to do this thing that City did by bringing the architects of success, you know, but, uh, from Barcelona. But clearly, Barcelona are also a shithouse themselves, by the way, that are being propped up by Lionel Messi. So I would stay away from anyone associated with the, back, the, the behind the scenes of that club that commits tax fraud all the time, by the way. I would just, <laughs> av- I would just avoid that completely. And suddenly, he has to show up and be courageous here and do the right thing like the fans don't want him the players don't want him no one else wants this guy i'm not even sure he wants to be there anymore himself so there's nothing there's nothing to hold on to i and i don't understand why this is continuing
0: yeah yeah it's a shambles i mean there's really nothing left to say Uh, credit to southampton to some extent they should have won this game like 4-1 (laughs) <laughs> five one they missed so many good chances and has was losing his austrian mind at the end because they just Janepo just really did not want to score and you know arsenal shouldn't have got a draw and this is a southampton team that's what second bottom of the league this is a team that lost nine nil mate they lost nine what are we what are we talking about here <laughs> <laughs> like, they hadn't won. Well, they haven't won in in over five games. You know, they they've got a goal difference of minus eighteen. They're horrendous. They're a horrendous football team, and they should have smashed Arsenal at home. Like actually, you know,
1: an interesting question is how Who? Which team over here? Arsenal and Southampton? Which team has got more points in the last five games? Because Arsenal, in their last five games, have three points. No. No.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Southampton, Southampton, Southampton have two points, so
1: slightly, oh, okay, okay.
0: slightly better than relegation uh, candidate Southampton. That's so without
1: that that last minute equalizer from Lacazette, like Arsenal would have had two points in their last five games, and Southampton would have had five, four points. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a big goal. That's a big goal. To be fair. <sighs>
2: yeah. You, you know, you know what blew my mind—like watching the highlights of this game. And the two goals that Southampton score are the height of stupidity. Of, of Arsenal, I couldn't believe. Like, why do you not expect them to play a, a, a quick, um, a quick free kick? Why do you not expect that? This is—I think this is the second time I've seen Arsenal just turn off at, at a free kick like this. And then the penalty, like, come on, mate, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like. It's, it's just, just, you know, these guys don't care. They just, they, I, that's, I, I can just say they don't care. Like that's all I can say. It's, and it's, it's a shame. It's really a shame.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. Uh, Emery said after the game, well, that he understands how the the supporters feel about him and the team. So, like, he knows. Like, everyone knows. It's just someone shoot this dying animal, please. <laughs> It, it, it wants out and so do, so do the rest of us uh, let's talk about you know about what Alec
1: you haven't suffered what? long enough you haven't suffered long enough under Emily believe me the United fans are suffering for endless hours every day under Mourinho believe no, no. no. We,
0: <laughs> we, we as as supporters of big clubs that have won stuff in our lifetime we really don't get to, we really don't get to do this because like most clubs don't win anything or get close to it um however we're going to go on to talk about more clubs that do so Manchester city against chelsea um city needed to win they absolutely needed to win to stay in touch with liverpool um chelsea seemed like they might be a good candidate to beat city and uh they went ahead didn't they yeah and we were, yes, thinking, did. Uh, we were thinking this this could be it. But City, to their credit, stormed back. And that goal from Mares was absolutely beautiful. Roche, what did you think? I
1: think that Riyad mares has made himself indispensable for Man City um, as one of their attacking outlets. Interesting. And I think it's kind of worrying because, you know, City are, you know, their last few games, you know, they recently got beaten thrashed by Liverpool 3-1 they've, you know, in the last six games, they've fallen a further four points behind Liverpool. And now they're, I think, uh, they're about eight or nine points behind. And they're not, I mean, as much as, you know, they have the style of like controlling and dominating games, playing this busy, this busy style of football. They're not, they're not running away with the results. They were down to Chelsea over here, who are a good team, who had, you know, they won six games in a row going into this game and they took the lead. It required a deflected De Bruyne goal for them to get back into this one, followed by a moment of genius from Mahrez. So, you know, I, you know, I think as much as City got the three points here, they kind of got away with it as well.
2: They, they kind of did and kind of didn't at the exact same time. They, they got away with it because I think their possession stats were the lowest that Guardiola's ever had or something like that, um, which, is, which is a credit to Lampard. But um, the way that they got back into this, Chelsea are not built to beat good teams like like how many times are you going to see this this season to deal with this they've not won one they've played Leicester United Liverpool I think yeah Liverpool City now and they've not won a single one like like they've only got one point in those games like you have one of the best midfields in the world as far as Conte and Jorginho potentially are concerned and on this forum like I don't know like for me city didn't have to play that well to win and that's that's actually not good and and i i just wish we could call that out for what it is if chelsea want to be i mean maybe it's a long-term project maybe this season's just whatever next season they'll be great and whatever but i hated watching city in this game and they still won the game that's just this just doesn't make sense to me
0: yeah chelsea are you know as you said they they lose to the big six to the top six teams and that's I think that's probably fair enough at the moment when we consider that they're still doing far better than any of us really expected them to do at the start of this season. And whether, you know, Chelsea and, and Leicester can keep this up we, we remains to be seen. Like Chelsea, they they score a lot, but they concede so many goals. I mean, in the top six, yeah, in the top six, they've, they've conceded the most. They've conceded the most goals away from home. I think they've also scored the most goals away from home. So they're a bit of a mystery box. You kind of... You know, you Can we also
2: one. say that for that Mara's goal that was brilliant? I can't remember who that defender was, but that was terrible.
0: Palmieri, wasn't it, Emerson? It was
2: so bad. I like the positioning, so horrent. Why are you showing him that side? I don't. I, I don't know. The the whole thing just left a bad, like a bad taste in my mouth. That was that was goddamn oh, disgusting. That defending,
0: mate. It's yeah. the it's the Iron Robin syndrome. You know what <laughs> he's about to do, but you you end up encouraging him to do it. <laughs> yeah true it's bizarre um, but with that win uh, City I'm not going to say kept pace with it because as Roche said they're nine points back but Liverpool extended their lead uh, with a 2-1 a narrow a scrappy 2-1 victory over Crystal Palace looked like Palace had got back into it um, but Roche they managed to pull it out once again
1: yeah you know and I think that's 13 games played 12 wins one draw And the steamroller just keeps going on. I mean, you know, every week you're asking questions like, okay, when are they going to start dropping points? Because, you know, generally when teams start this hot, then when they start dropping points, they tend to drop more points. So I'm still kind of hoping for that, you know, because it's Liverpool after all. Yeah, you know, obviously they are, you know, the best team in the league, best team in the world right now. But yeah, uh, you know, they got three points out of this game, even though Crystal Palace, uh, you know, took the lead, I think, in this game. Oh, sorry, they equalized in this game. Crystal Palace were unlucky against Liverpool to have their goal disallowed, I believe. And Liverpool, uh, once again, with decisions going their way. Liverpool. That's, that's basically my, my take of this game. And oh, yeah. And right after the Crystal Palace equalizer, within three minutes, Firmino scoring the winner. So, um, you know, they just, they just keep going to the end. It's not over till it's so over. It's so frustrating to watch, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant because they're a great team. What can I say?
2: C- can I propose a game? Um, yeah. I'm going to read out the fixtures, and then you guys can tell me which of these games you think they'll lose. Okay. Go. Next game, Brighton. Yes. Nope. No. <laughs> like they'll win, right? Okay. Uh, after that, Everton.
0: Stonking <laughs> a stonking victory. Rocher. Yeah, yeah, they're going to batter them.
2: After that, Bournemouth away.
0: Win. Ah, four
1: 0
2: After that, Watford home.
1: 17-0. Uh, like no.
2: Boxing Day, Leicester, away.
1: Draw. Oh, this might be a Leicester win because I think Leicester was going to draw them at an Anfield. Liverpool got a very lucky penalty to get away that, with that win.
2: So, Rache, you you think that they're going to lose the first game on Boxing Day?
1: Yes, because the Boxing days, uh so the Christmas period, a lot of games in a very few days and playing Leicester away from home Leicester on this form. If they have any semblance of this form going into Boxing Day, they're going to take points on Liverpool. That's a potential.
2: That's interesting. So then do they become the, the main title contenders then? Leicester? Oh.
1: Or are we, still, uh, well, are we
2: still saying City?
1: Um, I mean, Leicester already did this once a few years ago where we were like, nah, they're going to drop us. And it was like, then it was like game week 34, and they're like, oh shit, they're going to win this thing.
2: <laughs> so let me so. Give you the, let me give you the the fixtures after leicester because they're quite funny uh wolves at home when sheffield United. well
1: wolves wolves is dangerous wolves are a giant killer they beat city away 2-0 let's not forget that so that's uh-huh. another potential leicester and wolves back to back
2: are you hoping now, or, or is, <laughs> like, or is this logical? I, I think that I think I, that's a fair
0: point. I think, think Leicester Wolves is a tough week. That's a tough week.
2: Okay. Uh, Sheffield United, even away, even at home, could be tough. I guess. And Sheffield United
0: then, drew with Liverpool, didn't they? No, not, they lost. They, they lost. Won, they lost it was a
2: it was a howler, and they probably yeah have
0: yeah. Lost yeah. That. And then they play
2: Spurs away, January eleventh. So actually from boxing day to january 11th. Rochelle, you might have a point. That's tough. And then they then they play United away from home which they should win.
0: I will say that that uh in previous seasons if Liverpool have struggled it has been around that time. It has been end of december, early january. Um and a, a couple of years ago it really they were they were flying and then they went through a bad period there and it really ruined their season. They ended up finishing fourth. Um so that, hmm. Yeah, if it's gonna happen, I think that that's when it happens. So, so let me let me yeah. sum this up and again. Let me sum this up again. Leicester on Boxing Day,
2: three days later, Wolves. Three days later, after that, Sheffield United. Then there's a week off, Spurs, and then after that, Man United, and then Wolves again. Ooh,
0: interesting. Yeah, if they negotiate that's that, that's tough. if they negotiate that period with you know most of the points, then the title is theirs. But it, that that could be where it comes unstuck, if it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, let's not forget that there's also other cup competitions that are going on at that same time. So they're going to have you know Champions League um, games Club going World. on. They, cl- oh yeah, the Club World Cup. Did, yeah. Oh, okay. Champions League okay, doesn't doesn't
0: Champions League doesn't start again until February, but but Club World Cup will be happening for sure
1: yeah. and and you know with the with the busy fixture schedule, obviously points are going to be dropped here and there maybe two points, maybe three points. But as I said earlier, you know I think Liverpool right now in the current form they are they're on in the last thirty eight games, they've going lost one. You know it's something ridiculous. So I think once they start dropping points, when you go, okay, so you know assume that they you know they get a shock draw to Everton a couple of weeks from now before going into that busy Christmas period. It could be something where you know this this effect compounds itself, and they actually drop uh, maybe you know four or five points all of a sudden city are winning games, Leicester are winning games, and then all of a sudden it's a two point difference instead of a nine point difference, the momentum is switched you know all these factors come into play
0: can, um, can i um, so can I pick you up on the on the the potential for a shock draw against everton because if that happens, you know what will have happened to everton Marcus so will, so will have been sacked. And David Moyes will have been appointed interim manager until the end of the season. He'll have them in two banks of four defending for their lives. And you know what? Stranger things have happened. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Let,
0: let me read you
2: uh, City's fixtures from the 7th of December. Man United, oh, uh, sorry, uh, at, at the Etihad. Arsenal at uh, the Emirates. Leicester at the Etihad. Wolves at Molyneux. Sheffield United at the Etihad. and then uh, Everton at the Etihad. That's that's on uh, New Year's Day. They're going to win all of those.
0: I think they might lose to Wolves away. You never know. And then Leicester <laughs> at
2: at the Etihad. <sighs> I
0: I mean one thing to one thing to note with City. Uh, you might be right. One thing to note is that Aguero got injured, and it looks like it might be a long one. And Gabi Jesus just isn't that good at football. Um, <laughs> His goal record's pretty good, though. No, I'm being harsh. He's he's a good tap-in merchant, but he's <laughs> he's not. He doesn't have the same aura. He doesn't lead the line in the same way. And I think they may well miss Aguero. Not that he's been on fantastic form lately, but you know, the
2: Bruyne cross, Jesus goal. That's that's <laughs> just what's going to happen. I'm sorry.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, not like Jesus to end up on the end of a cross, but you know.
2: Hey, well done. Well done. Th-
0: thank you, sir um right what else happened um i think that's it for interesting premier league games all right well the champions league is coming up should we have a quick chat about that uh yes
2: but i when we do chat about that can we start with real madrid only because i don't want time to pass before we talk about uh wales golf Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> <That's, laughs> is. Real Madrid are playing Paris Saint-Germain and I think Bale might even play, which is hilarious.
0: <laughs> well, he came on the other day in the La Liga fixture and got roundy booed uh, for his part in the, you know, uh, was it? Yeah, Wales-Golf-Madrid-in-that-order flag mm. that someone in the crowd gave to them. Uh, but it was funny. I mean, we mentioned him a lot, but Rahul, uh, our Real Madrid supporting friend of the pod, it did say that it got a bit ridiculous because everything that Bale was doing on the pitch was really good, and people were still booing it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm team team Gareth uh, on this.
2: I I, I just I, I honestly, as you alluded to, do not think that Real Madrid fans are in any position <laughs> to hold up moral high ground on anything.
0: No. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with Gareth Bale on this one, Um Roche? And, and Roche we know is is team Gareth. Oh, for sure, for sure. What what do you like about him most?
1: <laughs> um, well, he's got a lot of power.
0: Uh huh.
1: He can sure he can sure kick that ball. Um, <laughs> no, he's he's a good player, and he's you know he's shown a lot of mental toughness to you know continue staying at Real Madrid, playing golf in the face of this media assault and campaign against him, even by his own fans. And he's come out and he's played a good game, and he's made everyone look stupid. And I think that's highly respectable. And I think that just goes <laughs> to show that. You know, so, you know, in a world where we're so easily influenced by other people's opinions, Gareth Bale has come out, you know, and it not only has he shown, yeah, I'm going to play golf, I don't care what you think, but he's come out. And even though he's playing golf, he's still playing soccer a lot better. So, I mean, you know, hats off to Gareth Bale.
0: So, so what we're really doing is, is praising a man for earning £600,000 a week to play football and golf and live in Madrid. What what a, What a brave martyr this man is. I mean, Get you know, the that's, bag, that's one bro. way to
1: put it, but it comes with its territory. I mean, look at the abuse he's getting from literally everybody that's around him. So, like, even though he's living in this beautiful place, like, if he steps foot, if he tries to go and like buy milk from the grocery store, I'm pretty sure someone's gonna try and try and throw eggs at him. Like, he doesn't have to buy his own eggs.
0: No, no, definitely not. Uh, I, I, he definitely has someone to do his shopping.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a massive aside, I guess. But uh, Real Madrid uh, is this game important? I guess not
0: the PSG game.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, well, let's talk about this. Yes, I, I want to chime in here, but not on the Real Madrid side, more on the uh, the PSG side, because I think there's some, you know, the uh, Di Maria has the potential of being benched for Neymar, who hasn't played a game in God knows how long. But he's, you know, he, you know, for him to come in and displace Di Maria, who's clearly, you know, he's been there every week, and playing perfect, you know, great football off de Di Maria getting displaced by Neymar, this brat, who is going and watching. Uh, I think it was he was watching like some sort of tennis guy game over the weekend at uh, Madrid, sure. the Davis Cup, I think it was, and he got into some heat for that. Uh, you know, it's just I want to see Neymar go down, and he'll bring himself down. Yeah. Don't oh, and also about this game, Zidane has come out and said, "I love Mbappe," and I think Tuchel's response to that is. You know, we, we all, like, we love a lot of things, but we can't have them all. And I think that was a great response.
2: Can, can we talk about how tapping up is just not a thing anymore? Like, I yeah. always found that interesting when we were younger. It was, ooh, they tapped him up, and everyone got upset, like, with Ashley Cole and all that stuff. Is this, like, players meet during international breaks, and I'm 100% sure they're like, mate, <laughs> like, you want to come over? Like, yo, Pierre, you want to come over here? I'm sure everyone yes. does that all the time.
0: Oh, such um, as the players, like yeah, the managers like, do that. Agents are doing it, managers are doing it. it. It's all done on WhatsApp. Like it's 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 probably like a weekly text to Gareth Bale from Edward Ed Wood. Want to come yet? Nah. Okay.
2: I remember when uh, um, in LA or something, and Marino said to Gareth Bale, "I can't sign you unless you say so you want to leave." Like I, I, to me, the Mbappe thing is either going to happen or it's not. And what Zidane says. Like, people are getting offended by it. Like, just forget it. Like, you're you would you're going to do the same thing. Like, just let it go. Hazard said the exact same stuff as well, by the way.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Zidane said the same thing about Hazard, that he loved him. But it was like 12 years ago. It took him like a decade to get his signature. Um But you asked if, if this game was important. Real Madrid, if they lose it and Club Brugge win, uh, <laughs> could potentially be taken over by Club Brugge. Uh, in the last game, because there are two games left at the group stage. Bruges are on two points, Real Madrid on seven. Club Bruges bring themselves up to five, and Real Madrid stay where they are. They could get into, be pushed into the Europa League in the last week. It's unlikely, but it could happen.
2: Ugh. Uh, yeah, unlikely. Sorry, Alex. I'm, I, there's, no, there's nothing I can make out of that
0: one. Let that not? Be I would love
1: to see that happen. No,
0: I'm sorry. I would
1: love to see Real Madrid get humiliated. Get pushed into the Europa League. I would love to see them get knocked out of the Europa League. It's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, it's poetry. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the
2: the only other thing I think that could be interesting. This Champions League is not particularly interesting, especially as we are Thursday football FC on uh, under the cash. Um, but uh, Barcelona against Dortmund, I think, is in, is coming up. Yeah. And uh, that group is interesting because Barcelona have eight points, Dortmund have seven, Inter Milan have four. So Inter Milan are going to beat Slavia Prague. Uh, Please don't let Lukaku score. Um, But they're going to do that. And then this could be dicey for whichever team. And there's a lot of pressure on Barcelona now. And Ernesto Valverde, which could open up a job for, you know, someone like Allegri. Um, I don't know. I'm so excited by this group and to see what happens here. I don't know about you guys.
0: It, this is going to be fun because Dortmund are on terrible form in the league. Uh, Lucien Favre might lose his job. Um, maybe a fire sale for you, Bernie? Maybe? Um, no. I mean, Jaden Sancho Jaden is making making moves. Like he's making noises about wanting to leave at this point. Well, by the like, way, he's gone in the it's, summer. It's done. Yeah, yeah, it's he's done. He's gone in
2: the summer, hundred percent.
0: The question is just where. Yeah. But he's he's done. Um. So yeah, two two teams out of form. Milan desperate to qualify and trying to catch them up. So, yes, that group is one of the most interesting ones. Um, what else have we got? We've got Juventus against Atleti, which on always on paper sounds like it should be a good game. The last one was a bit boring. The two of them are going to qualify from that group without a problem. Um, so that one doesn't really matter. Uh, Spurs, Mourinho's first game, uh, they could qualify if they beat Olympiacos and then they wouldn't have to get anything from Bayern Munich, which would be ideal for them.
1: Yep. Yeah, no one
0: wants to see another seven-two, or maybe they do. Uh, Mourinho probably just parked the bus to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, um, Leal against Ajax probably a big good good game. Two no, teams no, no, you no, enjoy? No,
2: no. Well, well, oh, I enjoy, in a sense, yes, but I'm not gonna watch this game, Alex. It's worth Thursday FC. Come on, like <laughs> let's not let's not be hipster about
0: this. Oh, you don't want to be hipster, but you'd rather watch Manchester United against Libb from Estonia. Actually, we it? this week it's Astana. Astana in minus twenty degrees Celsius. man. Oh,
2: hey. a, yes, we are loyal fans. Uh uh-huh. Loyal fans who are woefully
0: out of time. Funny. Yeah. Funny. Okay. Uh. All right. Well, this was a, a lovely little jaunt down the down the alleyway of football, um, and we will will resume it next week.
1: Cast. get in touch at under the blog at gmail.com follow us on twitter at under underscore the cosh. and for articles predictions and the full experience go to underthekoshblog.com.